Last week we uh, looked at the Beatitudes. This week we're looking at the portion of the Sermon on the Mount that follows on right after the Beatitudes. You know what, though? I'm, I'm going to read the Beatitudes and then pick up with verse 13, okay? This sort of gets the flow of everything. Let's pray first. God, we ask that you would open our eyes and we would see Jesus. You would open our ears. Your spirit would speak the gospel to us as, as each and every one of us need to hear the gospel in the way that we need to hear the gospel this morning. We ask also, O oh Lord, that you would speak the gospel to Grace Chicago Church as a group of people who agree to live a certain way, believe certain things, follow Jesus in creative and imaginative ways here in the city. You would speak also to us as a church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the God, the word of God, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's people said, thanks be to God, amen. <clears throat> well, last week we took a look at the Beatitudes, you know, those first verses there out of Matthew 5 that we read this morning, where I read to you this morning. We looked at the Beatitudes, if you will, through a wide angle lens and with particular questions in mind. We considered things like the importance of recognizing the Beatitudes as being addressed 
Not so much to individual people, although, sure, those blessings, those gifts of the kingdom bestowed on you by the king, the only true king of the universe, those gifts are being bestowed upon you as individual people, absolutely. But really the larger point is that those gifts are being bestowed on a community, a group of people, if you will, a foretaste of the world to come, the new humanity that Jesus is forming around himself in this world to demonstrate to this world how it is that human beings should be with each other, how human beings should foster human flourishing in their communities. So the Beatitudes for individuals, but also, and importantly, for groups of people, the Beatitudes, blessings for each and every one of you in these chairs, blessings upon Grace Chicago Church. We also talked about the fact that these blessings are gifts bestowed, not a way of life that is produced by human moral effort or human wisdom. As one theologian has put it, Jesus' words in the Beatitudes point beyond themselves to himself, to Jesus, as their source. So when we come to the Beatitudes and the whole of the Sermon on the Mount that comes after it, we come with open hands and open hearts. We come in humility. We, we come not seeing ourselves as better than our neighbors because we imagine ourselves to have arrived at some blessed triumphalistic state because we believe the Beatitudes are true or we try really hard to live that way. We come not as heroes to the Beatitudes, but we come as people who make mistakes all the time. We come as people who live in those blessings, but quite imperfectly. We come praying that prayer that was our call to worship this morning. You know, that prayer was tied to this particular theme of this worship service in the Revised Common Lectionary. And, and that prayer, if you were here earlier, set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins. Give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God sets us free to receive the blessings, the attitudes, a way of life that is a foretaste of the world to come in this world. So we come in humility, asking that God give the gifts, and asking for God to create in us the receptive hearts to receive the gifts. So last week was about the blessings bestowed on the people of God. This week, salt and light. This week is about our response. Remembering that in God's economy, blessings are bestowed upon God's people so that God's people may be a blessing to all people and every kind of person. We are to be salt and light. Anna Case Winters, in her short but sweet, lovely commentary on Matthew, puts it this way, 
Neither salt nor light exist for themselves. These metaphors remind us that the only way to follow Jesus in this world is to turn outwards towards others and be a blessing. To turn outwards towards others and be a blessing. You know, we read the Belhar Confession, usually, normally, um, in our worship service. Today we did as well. It's long, so we take a portion each week. If I had had my act together, <laughs> really, I mean, come on, Bob. Uh, if I had had my act together, I would have picked a different part of the Belhar for today. The part of Belhar we read today is wonderful, but I would have picked this part. We believe. I'm reading now from another part of the Belhar, section 3, if you want to go look it up later. We believe that God has entrusted the church with the message of reconciliation in and through Jesus Christ, that the church is called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that the church is called blessed because it is a peacemaker, that the church is witnessed both by word and deed to the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, that God's life-giving word and spirit has conquered the powers of sin and death and therefore also of irreconciliation and hatred, bitterness and enmity, that God's life-giving word and spirit will enable the church to live in a new obedience which can open new possibilities of life for society and the world. Remember, the Belhar Confession is written by the church in South Africa, our sisters and brothers in Christ, part of the Dutch Reformed worldwide community that we somehow ended up part of in the Reformed Church in America. These are our sisters and brothers coming to terms with their complicity with apartheid. And they write now things like this. And we lean on them because to my knowledge, the church in the United States is yet to produce such a confession. And we should. But we lean on this. And you think about these folks that come together to work on this. You think about how, look at the Beatitudes and think, yeah, you know what? The church is called blessed because the church is a peacemaker. The church stands against racism. The church stands against injustice. The church stands with the weak and the poor and the powerless. The voice to those who have no voice. That's how the church is a peacemaker in the world. We didn't do that by the way, Belhar says, and we repent, and now we remind each other that this is what embodied Beatitudes look like. This is what embodied Sermon on the Mount looks like. I have to keep taking water breaks because... Uh, you know, good news, my sinus infection, it's too much information, but my, 
good news, my sinus infection is going away. Um, however, I continue to need to drink a lot of water. Okay, so, um, so you know, just a reminder, this is what they're thinking when they tie the Beatitudes to that part of the Belhar Confession. And, you know, it got me thinking about the fact, building on the theme from last week that, sure, these Beatitudes, these blessings, this Sermon on the Mount, it is geared absolutely 100% to individual people. But more importantly, if you will, it's geared to a group of people, a community of people. And so it got me thinking about how, you know, the gospel in general, it's not a challenge to the brain, first and foremost. It's a challenge to the whole being, the whole human being, as that whole human being lives and moves and, and just has life in, embodied in a community. And my example of that would be a period of time in my life uh, some of you know this, heard it before, some have it. Time in my life when I worked um, in the, the um, Christian community development world, the west side of Chicago in Austin, in the Austin neighborhood, for a Christian community development association ministry and a local church that was tied to it. Um, and that ministry was started by an individual, you should Google him if you haven't heard of him, his name is John Perkins, who was active in the civil rights movement back in the 60s, was beaten to within an inch of his life by the Mississippi State Police. And in the hospital room, he decided the rest of his life would be committed to the cause of racial justice, but also racial reconciliation. And in order to see that come to pass, he was instrumental in starting this organization of churches and ministry called, ministries called the Christian Community Development Association. Circle and Rock, where I work, is part of that. He helped start that personally. And Lawndale, uh, Christian Development Association church in the Lawndale neighborhood, was also started at the same time by Perkins. But um, that's just to give you context my job was supportive role, right? As administrative assistant, do what needs to be done, help with fundraising, uh, volunteer coordination, etc. Volunteer coordination was where I got to see the power of the Spirit at work. Because not just once, and not just twice, and not just three times or four times, I would see over and over again People with my color skin, people with my kind of Christian background as a white American, coming from rural Nebraska, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Kansas. Uh, we were part of the Evangelical Free Church, technically speaking. And so we had all these Evangelical Free Church partners in the Midwest, Iowa, right? Is that folks would come in, they'd never been, if, they were, if they'd been to Chicago, it was to Wrigley Field, trust me. It, it was Soldier Field. It was not to uh, Michigan Avenue. It was not to Austin, right? They'd come to Austin to work on these um, building projects or 
outreach to the community, what have you. And a part of those projects would always consist in, you know, having folks in the church, folks in the neighborhood come alongside the volunteers and you know, tell their stories and ask the volunteers to tell their stories. And over and over again, you see people that look like me having these transformative experiences. I remember sitting with one guy um, from Nebraska, and I wish I could remember his name, but I remember sitting with him, and he was weeping. And so I just came over, and I sat next to him. I think it was like a, a lunch outside. He was kind of pulled over by himself. And I said, you know, are you okay? you need anything? And he said, I just realized that um, I've been a racist my whole life. And I didn't know it. You know, my, my experience is that, um, and I think he would vouch for this, I, I don't think he would have ever been convinced that there was such a thing as latent racism, you know, that exists in human beings. I, I think he probably thought up to that point, and he indicated as much to me, that, you know, he, he wasn't, right? <laughs> I accept everybody, you know, that kind of thing. But hearing stories and realizing the impact that racism has on people of color. You know, when the spirit is at work in those situations, people have these amazing conversions of their imagination and they begin to see the world differently. And, and so that's why when we talk about the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, we talk about them as, a, as, as blessings, as a way of life to be put forth as a challenge to the way the world on its own leads life. But we talk about them as, as, as embodied uh, realities, not so much as individual people, but as communities of people as the church, as Grace Chicago Church. So, it is not that time either. So, okay, we're all right. Um, so the question, you know, always before us, and must be asked anew on a regular basis is how can we live our lives as a blessing to others so that the world around us can imagine new possibilities for the life of society and the world? As a church, as Grace Chicago Church, we've answered this question by finding as many ways as we can 
to deepen our partnership with Breakthrough Urban Ministries, our ministry partner in East Garfield Park, in their great work on behalf of their neighborhood. And so, you know, the takeaway from this this morning, I would, I would urge each of us to, to ask God to help us in our discernment process about how we might respond to all those volunteer opportunities that come your way to, to help break through. It's one thing. And then for each of us, we have opportunities every day to be that person at work or in our neighborhood who is known, okay? You will not do this perfectly, all right? I will not do this perfectly, but how about aspirational? We would want to be known to be that person who is known for loving and serving everyone well. Everyone. All people, all kinds of people. Without regard to race, politics, gender, sexuality, and the like. You know, as Christians, we should be a puzzle to the world. We don't take our identity from any sect, political party, or, or human organization. Our identity is found at this table. Our identity is found in the only one true ruler of this world, King Jesus. Sound daunting? Does that sound daunting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> sounds daunting to me. I generally don't uh, finish writing a sermon until I feel convicted myself. Are we up for that? Are we up for living every moment of our lives in a way that opens up to the world a window of what it looks like to flourish as a human being? I think we ask that question, the answer is that it has to be yes in faith, okay? It has to be yes by God's mercy and grace, yes. But always, to be honest, the moment of fear and trembling to say that yes, right? Um, because we know that we all fail in our movement towards being an agent for God in the world. You know, but our failures are also important in and of themselves when they're handled a particular way. Because when they're handled a particular way, our failures are important signs of hope to the world. Because our failures, when paired with our repentance, show the world that the road to human flourishing will have a lot of potholes, does have a lot of potholes, along the way. And importantly, we show the world that we need each other and God's grace to be able to pull in the same direction for the long haul. As Stanley Hauerwas from Duke Divinity School puts it, the challenge of being salt and light makes us depend upon God and one another. So, I invite you, depend on God, depend on one another, to be salt and light, not just as individuals, but if you're visiting from another church this morning, in your church, you're at Grace Chicago, in our church. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
Amen.